Hey, what's up, South Point? My name is Kenny. Good morning, everybody, in this nice, snowy, wet day, huh? You guys awake? Sure? You will be in a minute. Listen, my name's Kenny. I'm one of the elders here. I want to welcome everybody. Those of you who have been coming for 30 years, those of you that it's your first time, and of course, those of you online, we welcome you guys as well. It's the end of January. We've talked about starting off the, uh, the year with a better outlook on your life, with so many succumbing to negative emotions and mental health issues, wouldn't it be refreshing to gain a healthier, happier, and more perspective, hopeful perspective, on what a successful life really looks like? Over the last three Sundays, you've gotten to look at how to use countercultural practices to actually benefit you, depending on God, decluttering your life, developing fellowship. And today we're going to wrap up this series uh, on how to descend into greatness. When the world promotes greatness as climbing the ladder of success, right, Jesus promises a different kind of greatness that comes with a downward path. It's different for us. Even though it's countercultural and counterintuitive, according to the greatest person that ever walked the face of the earth, according to Jesus, the path to greatness is one of selfless humility and service. The one who descended from heaven shows us the right and the best way to experience true satisfaction. What exactly does descending into greatness mean? It means that the higher you go up in the world's standards, the bigger the servant you become. Each and every one of us is called to be Christ-like, right? He was the, the best and the biggest example we had of servant leadership, the best example of servant leadership ever displayed. But before we can talk about how to descend, why should we? Society tells us that success matters, money matters, prestige matters, our belongings matter, right? Why would anyone want to do the exact opposite? To give up. To give up of our money, to give up of our prestige, to give up of our belongings. To descend seems crazy to us, right? How do I, or why would I want to descend when my whole life I've been trying to get out of this hole to ascend? To descend literally means downsizing, it means losing, it means lowering yourself or giving yourself a demotion. It means being a nobody, being anonymous. It means dying to oneself. That is, there's not a lot of benefit there when it comes to, to business for that or even the world we live in. Does it mean that we have to give away everything we have and live on the streets? No, that's not what it means. But it does mean putting others in front of yourselves. How many Christians, how many people truly understand the concept of moving down instead of moving up? Putting others in front of ourselves putting away our selfish desires for the advancement of others. How many of us struggle with that, even within our own marriages, right? I mean, we got to start somewhere, so let's start there. The path to greatness is not an ascent. It's not going up the ladder, but a descent. Jesus descended. So I'm going to ask you a question today, and I want you to seriously think about this. Do you really believe, do you truly believe that losing your life is a way to gain it. Do you? Do we even need this? When Jesus was teaching the disciples in the book of Mark, the ninth chapter says they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys discussing on, on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve. These are the guys he's investing in, right? These are the disciples. He called them together and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. 
And he took a child and he put him in the midst and he took him into his arms. And he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. The book of Matthew says, whoever would be great among you must first be your, must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus made it perfectly clear that climbing the ladder in society is not the same as climbing the ladder in the spiritual realm. The higher your position, the bigger servant you become. That's what Jesus did, and that's what he told us to do. So how? How do we become a bigger bigger servant? How do we get there? And let's be honest, do we really want to go there? You have to figure out what your purpose in life is. I mean, this, is, this isn't difficult. This is not, you're not trying to figure out the meaning of life here. You're not trying to figure out some physics problem. What is your purpose? Is your purpose to be happy? Is it to make a lot of money? To be as healthy as you can be, to live a long life, to have a great career? Those are all very selfish purposes. Can we at least agree to that? Jesus' purpose was to give his life for ours. And that's our example. Let's talk Philippians 2 for a minute. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Isn't that what Jesus did? He humbled himself, right? He became a servant. He placed himself below others. He served them. He literally washed their nasty feet. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Stop and think about this. When's the last time you did that? Put somebody else's interest instead of your own, in front of your own, in your marriage, at work, with your kids, with the homeless person you pass on the way to work, with a waiter or a waitress. When have you put their needs, their interests, above your own. goes on and says, have this in mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Think about that for a minute. Jesus didn't come and give. He didn't come and give a lot. He literally emptied himself. He gave it all by taking the form as a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. Even on the cross, man, Jesus remained humble. Think about what he could have done, but he didn't. And Jesus is our example, and through the worst thing that we've ever seen him go through in his life, he remained humble till the end. Think about that. The highest came to serve the lowest. And that word humble literally means to make low. Make yourself lower than others. So now that we know that it's something that we need to do, we got to decide if it's something we're willing to do. Do we want to do this? Are you truly willing to put others before yourself? Are you willing to put God first? 
society tells us the exact opposite, doesn't it? Are you willing to do that, tr- that tough work every single day? To truly descend into greatness. Do you believe Scripture? And do you believe that Scripture tells us to do it? Making every single decision and every single thought captive. And if so, listen, are you really willing to do it? Unfortunately, the answer for most people is no. See, we think we're willing, right? But when it comes right down to actually doing it, we pick ourselves first. We don't follow through. But let's assume that you are. How do we do this? We're going to talk today about three habits or three traits that you can use to utilize or to ensure your descent into greatness. Communicating with God, taking every thought and every deed captive, and serving others. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. That's a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. But let's look at how to accomplish it. Number one, communicating with God. Communicating with God isn't simply praying. If you're in a relationship and only one person in that relationship gets to do the talking, how good is that relationship going to be? Communicating with God is praying and reading your Bible. You talking to God in prayer and reading your Bible and allow God to speak to you. However, everything we do, we got to start in prayer. See, when we give our lives to Christ and we get baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what I have found is that I can't do this stuff alone. When I gave my life to Christ, things changed. It was almost like God allowed me to struggle through that growth. But the Holy Spirit gave me the desire, gave me the strength, gave me the power to actually compete it, complete it. Each and every task that I needed to do to grow in my faith, to grow as a child of God, all started with prayer. Listen, before I gave my life to Christ, I was a horrible person. I don't hide that from anybody. I did not want to give up the pleasures that I was, that I was experiencing. I had to go to him, and I had to get the help. I had to go to him to even get the desire to change. And there is great power in the Holy Spirit. There is great power in prayer. And the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 7 to pray without ceasing. That means never, ever stop. Perfect example of that is Christ. He prayed before his baptism. He prayed before heading to Galilee. He prayed before healing people. He prayed before choosing his disciples. He prayed before feeding the 5,000. He prayed before walking on water. He prayed before feeding the 4,000. And the list goes on and on and on. So our first step should be his example, prayer. If Jesus is our example, then before we set out to do this, before we set out to do anything, we need to pray and we need to ask him for the strength to do it, the desire to do it, and whatever else it is that we need to do it, because let's be honest, God knows us better than we know ourselves, right? Ask for those things. Number two. Take every thought and deed captive. This one is hard. But what exactly does it mean? 2 Thessalonians says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought we have and every action we do should be thought about and compared not only to what Christ would want us to do, but what Christ would do himself. There are so many examples in the Bible that allow us to see 
the actions of Christ in so many different circumstances. But man, realize you can't do this alone. Get in a group, read your Bible, dig into God's word and grow. You will grow in your faith and you will grow as a person. But let's be honest, what is the best way to learn something? To watch somebody else do it and then try it yourself, right? But isn't that what Jesus did? He showed us. But how do you know that if you're not in your Bible and you're not in the Word to learn? See, man, this is all tied together. The more you read, the more you see God's example, the more you see the example of Christ. We get to watch and learn from the creator of the world. We get to learn from the example of God. How much more of an example do we need? See, this isn't like our dads taught us, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus led by example, and we are called to follow. Think about it this way. How well do you know your spouse? How well do you know your kids? How well do you know your coworkers, your friends? How did you get to know these people so well? By spending time with them, right? How much time are you spending in the Word to truly get to know God? That's how you learn who He is. That's how you learn who Christ is. That's how you learn what Christ would do during different circumstances. We cannot even know what to do or what He would do without growing closer and listening to Him by reading our Bible. See, like I said, there are three things to do, but if you look closely, these things are all tied together. So once we realize what Christ would do by reading our Bible, right, getting to know him, we can compare that to our thoughts and our actions to help us decide what it is that we should do. As Christians, we are called to be Christ-like. However, many, many people that call themselves Christians don't even know what Christ is like. They don't know Christ well enough to know what he would do or what it truly means to be Christ-like. We're talking about actions that we take every single day, all day, actions and thoughts and taking them all captive to grow more Christ-like, to work towards achieving this descension into greatness. Remember, it's a walk down the ladder, not a walk up it. It's learning that the last word is not always the most important. <clears throat> it's learning to give yourself for the benefit of others. It's learning that my way is not always the best way. My way is not always the most important thing to do. It's learning that Christ literally gave it all up. He emptied himself for us. And that's the example we have. Jesus emptied himself. Listen, I never said this was easy, because it's not. But it is what we are called to do. It's uncomfortable to be humble. It's uncomfortable to put others above yourself. It's not easy, but it, what does the Bible say? It says, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, is easy that, lends to destruction, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Life is hard. Doing the right thing is hard. Being humble, loving others are hard. Let's be honest, we as people are not loving sometimes. 
It's not easy to descend. And if greatness is in the eye of a beholder, whose eyes do you want to be great in, the world's or God's? It's going against society, right? It's realizing that my goal in life, my purpose in life, if you will, is not to be happy. Me being happy is a selfish purpose. We are called to be countercultural. Society measures greatness by an upward path. Christ shows us greatness by becoming the least, by being humble. Number three, be a humble servant. We are called to be humble and we are called to be a servant to others. Society tells us that, that others should serve us, right? Society tells us that we should rise to greatness, that we should be the richest, we should be the greatest, the greatest. We should go to the best restaurants, the best hotels, let others serve me. However, God asks us to lose so we can gain. He makes it an ambition, and I will honor you for loving others. Lose your addiction to things, and I'll provide for you if you seek me wholeheartedly. Lose your obsession to be in control, and I'll give you the power to follow me. Lose your life, and I will give you eternity. James 4.10 is scripture that really, that I struggle with. Humble yourselves before the Lord. These next five words are the most unimaginable words to me. The most amazing words in scripture. And he will exalt you. Do you know what the definition of exalt is? To hold someone or something in very high regard. To think or, or speak very highly of somebody. Can you imagine God speaking highly of you? To hold you in high regard. Hey, here comes Dave. Come on, let me tell you what Dave's done. Can you imagine that? But that's what it's saying. Hey, here comes Sue. Let me tell you everything Sue's done. I'm so excited to see her. Imagine that. See, man, humbleness doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't come by simply serving. But it's an awesome start. Doing those things allows you to feel humbleness. Putting others above you, you is humility. How do we do that? I can tell you a great way to start. How many serve somewhere in the church? Whether you're greeters or graphics or worship. There are so many ways to serve. Do you know those people that open the door for you every single day when you come in here? They're serving. They're serving you and they are serving God at the same time. They are opening the door for you. They are practicing humility. They are out there in the cold, in the rain, in the wind, in the heat, so that you don't have to open a door and so that you will have a smiling face greet you on your way in. They are choosing your needs above their own. That's humility, and what a great place to start. Perfect example of serving. I want you to take a second and think of the worst sin you've ever committed. Jesus took the penalty for that. It was on him, as if he did it. 
But see, it's not just the worst sin you've committed. Think about the worst sin that you know of somebody else committing. Jesus took that on him as if he did it. There was a guy by the name of Vlad the Impaler who used to literally impale people on poles. The Romans literally crucified people on both sides of the road, and the roads were lined with crucified people. And Jesus saw this as a child. Think about what Hitler did. Think about every child molestation, every mass murder, every rape, every big sin in our eyes and every small sin in our eyes. Jesus took the blame for, took every single sin and every punishment for every single sin. Each and every one of those sins on himself as if he did it. Talk about a dark place. And he did that for us. He demoted himself. He deliberately lost so that we could gain. He gave up so that we could have. He literally left paradise and came here, separated himself from the Father, gave up everything, took all of the horrible sin, every single disgusting, horrible sin on himself for our gain. And we are called to do the same. As followers of Christ, we are called to imitate his example. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Our freedom in Christ is not an excuse for self-indulgence, but an opportunity to serve others with love and humility. Descending into greatness is not just this theoretical concept. It's a practical lifestyle. Consider how you can embody hum humility and service in your everyday life. Number one, serve the church. Serve in the church. Look for opportunities to serve within the body of Christ. Use your gifts and your talents to benefit others. Listen, those people that greeted you when you came in, that is a gift. You don't want me at the door in the morning. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I would not be the guy smiling. I wouldn't be the guy shaking your hand, but that's what they do, right? Use your gifts and your talents. Number two, serve the community. Extend your service beyond the walls of the church. Allow people outside the church to see the body of Christ, demonstrating his love for those in need. And number three, serve in your home. Practice humility in your family life. Putting the needs of others before your own. Create an environment of love and support within your family. Start here. We'll make it real easy for you. After church, when you go out there, there's going to be people out in the lobby to, there to talk to. You can ask them about joining a ministry. You can ask them about serving. They'll even set you up with a sample serve. This is your opportunity to serve in a different ministry. There are so many different ministries out there. You've got the greeters, you've got the creative arts, the kids' men, the safety ministry. Talk to them on your way out. Start there. Remember, the definition of humble is to make low. One of the most famous actors of our time had his life come crashing down one night at the Oscars. Will Smith was interviewed, and afterward he said this. 
2010 was like the greatest year as an artist, as a parent. Karate Kid came out in June, Whip My Hair came out in October. Smith shared on Kevin Hart's Heart to Heart series. I'm building this dream of a family I've had in my mind. I'm going to do it better than my father did. Nobody in my family was happy, Smith continued. No one wanted to be in a platoon. Willow, his daughter, was the first one to, to begin the mutiny. And it was his first realization that success and money don't mean happiness. Up until that point, I really believed that you could succeed your way to a house and a family, and you could win your way to happiness. Material circumstances do not equal happiness, and in a lot of cases, they may be the reason you're not happy. You can have so much stuff that it makes you miserable. That was my first pullback, and I was like, okay, what am I missing? This is a man whose family was literally worth a half a billion dollars. Someone who could buy anything they wanted in life, telling us that he truly tried to buy happiness, and it doesn't work. And the first thing we think of is, yeah, it's easy for you to say, right? You got all the money in the world. And they were still miserable. Jesus made himself nothing. That implies willful action, doesn't it? Jesus made himself. That's willful. Jesus deliberately stripped himself of everything, his divine rights and his divine privileges. The distance that Jesus descended is something that we can't even calculate. The unlimited God became limited man. He relinquished his divine rights. He had to use doors. He had to ride mules. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He got sore. He got injuries. He was abandoned, broken, and forsaken. He had no land. He had no money. He had no children. And from the world's viewpoint, Jesus had descended from God to as low as a man could possibly go. And that, my brothers and sisters, is our example. And that should be our goal. And that's how we accomplish it. We cannot do it without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without the desire to descend into greatness. And we cannot do it if we don't even know the example that we're supposed to follow. See, the story of God who voluntarily demoted himself, who downscaled himself, who lost on purpose, who died so that we can have a relationship with him, that's a love story. And I'm not going to lie to you, some of these choices cause a certain degree of discomfort because they're downright painful. Moving down involves humility, brokenness, servanthood, and obedience. None of which come natural to us. None of which come easy to us. We have to literally fight every single thought and every single action to achieve greatness in the eyes of God. But what do we do as Christians? We have a tendency to focus on the rosy stuff, right? The guaranteed safety, the security, the peace, the victory, the reward. And we tend to overlook or soften those passages that would jeopardize or threaten our comfort. However, we must achieve death to self. To come to Jesus, we have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and lose our lives to give it up. Do you really want to live? Then give yourself to God and give yourself to others. Devote yourself to faithful and humble service. And you will discover a joy that you can't even comprehend. 
Think about this. We give preferential treatment to people with titles and power and celebrities and those with wealth. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't follow that. He turned it all upside down. He stripped himself of all that. He had the title and threw it away. He had the position and threw it away. He didn't want to receive praise. Humility was at his core. He used his power for the powerless. He showed love to the loveless. And he served those who could not return the favor. He literally gave all of himself, not only for those that appreciated it, but even for those that didn't, and for those that would deny his very existence. He said, you'll be great in my sight when you demonstrate servanthood to the least of these. Talking about the sheep and the goats. See, Jesus is the most countercultural man to ever live. What is descending, man? Is it, is it keeping your salary under a certain amount? Is it give your possessions away, refusing titles of honor, resisting fame? Whatever it is, it's the way of Jesus. And if you want to follow in the footsteps of the Son of God, you have to consciously move down. True Christians are those who advance God's kingdom. They give themselves away in love so God and others may receive. They make decisions not, best, not based on economic, social, or even status factors, but with only one question in mind, does this bring God's kingdom on earth closer to reality? Descending involves emptying, to push aside one's own selfish desires and pleasures so the good of others can be considered. Remember Philippians 2. Jesus makes himself literally nothing. His purpose is to advance the kingdom. But God exalts him to the highest place. By giving himself completely, without selfish ambition, he received everything. Christian, too, our promised reward when we fully commit, down becomes up. That's why our main point is practicing humble servanthood helps us descend into greatness. So now it's reflection time. What are you doing in your life that it's going to last forever? Is my whole existence wrapped around the here and now? Is it self-centered? Is it temporary? What am I doing to give my life meaning? And you can try to make up your own meaning, but if it's not from God, guess what? It's still meaningless. Man, this is, not, this is a lot more than a, than a step down financially or a loss of toys. This is a true attitude change a willingness to use whatever talents, whatever resources are available to advance the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus turns the world's idea of greatness upside down. In God's kingdom, true greatness is not found in exalting oneself, but in humbly serving others. Jesus, the King of kings, modeled this when he descended from the heavenly throne. 
to serve humanity, to serve us, and give his life for our salvation. See, descending into greatness requires humility. And that was a quality that was exemplified by Christ. But I need you to remember this, because humility is not weakness. It's strength under control. It involves recognizing our dependence on God and valuing others above ourselves. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for loving us even though we don't deserve it. Father God, I ask you to strip me of any pride that's, that's getting in the way. I ask you to be with me in any misplaced values that I have, any, anything that I've got going on that needs to be changed. Give me the desire to serve you. Give me the desire to be humble. Give me the desire to read my Bible. Give me the desire to know you, to grow closer to you. This is the kind of thing that starts revivals, but it's got to start with us. Be with us, Lord. Help us to put us aside like you did. Help me to want to serve. Help me to want to read your Bible. Help me to want to grow closer. Help me to be more like you. Help me to get to know you so that I know what to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, we've made it so simple. All you got to do is text your name to the number, or shoot an email to the number on the screen, or the email on the screen. It's that simple. But during this next song, there's people up front if you want to come forward and you want to talk to them and they can help. Maybe you've done that and you're ready for baptism. Maybe you've done that and you're ready to join the church. Maybe just like me, this message hit me between the eyes. And I had to check myself before I got up here. And listen, every single one of us has got great things about us and every single one of us has things that we need to work on and I'm no different. There's things that I talked about today that I will be working on. And if you don't feel that, then come forward and let him pray with you. Ask God to help you with that. Ask him to give you the desire for that. Ask him to give you the desire to do all the things that you need because he knows you better than you know yourself. But nobody in here is a servant like Christ. Not to that level. But that is our example. And that is exactly what we're supposed to do. But it all starts with prayer.